1: there, it's Simon Hughes and Simon Mann here with the Analyst Inside Cricket, and I suppose a rather inauspicious day to be launching this podcast in association with the Cricketer magazine. Special offer on that magazine coming up later, but we should just focus first, Simon, on an extraordinary day with the 58 all-out England bowled out for in the first day of the pink ball test match in Auckland, and I suppose not only the England batsmen, but all the viewers as well, slightly shell-shocked by all that. Well... Absolutely
0: stunning, really. 58 all out. At one stage, it looked as if England were going to score their lowest ever test match score. That's 45. They were 27 for nine. Craig Overton came in, actually made it look rather easy at number nine. He hit five fours and a six, hit the ball sweetly, but he just ran out of any partners. At the end, there were five ducks, five ducks, the likes of Stokes and Root and Bairstow and Moen Alley, England's top players, all out for naught. It was a wretched day, a wretched day for them, and then put into some context by what happened afterwards. Kane Williamson, actually the only batsman today to really show some authority into the 90s, not out overnight. The rest of the New Zealand top order and into the middle order struggled a bit, but they had such a strong platform after bowling England out for 58 that, you know, everything was with them, and it's hard to see how England can get back in the game from here
1: well that's the, that's the bottom line i mean the the, the headline is obviously was this Bad batting or good bowling. I think you have to say that overall it was pretty bad batting. I mean, 58 all out is inexcusable in a Test match. It doesn't really matter unless you're playing in Jamaica on a completely sort uh, of corrugated pitch, as they were many years ago, and the, the Test match was abandoned. This pitch wasn't particularly bad. It was, I, don't know, I suppose, had a little bit of extra bounce for the faster bowlers with the new ball, but it was basically late swing from mainly Trent Bolt and just. Inadequate technique from England batsmen who, we've said this time and time again, they don't seem to be able to adapt when the ball is moving around. Yeah, give Trent Bolt
0: some credit. He is a fine bowler. You look at Trent Bolt and Tim Southey. they have both taken over 200 test match wickets. They have been round the block and they are no mugs. They are high-class bowlers, but Southey, who took four for 25, he'll bowl a lot better and get fewer wickets. He didn't bowl particularly well. It, it was steady, but he still picked up four wickets. Bolt was the the main man. He just got the ball to swing just enough, and England were unable to counter it, you know, you know what it's like, you've been in dressing rooms, I'm sure you have, when a collapse is on, and you just can't stop it, and today it just kept on coming I mean, I mean normally what happens with a collapse is you, you, know, you lose four or five wickets and then someone puts a partnership together today, that just didn't happen it was a, a perfect storm, they kept missing them or nicking them or there were great catches, Williamson took an absolutely stunning catch to get rid of Stuart Broad is a bit like Ben Stokes' catch at, at Trent Bridge. It's absolutely brilliant. Everything that Williamson did today worked. He won the toss. He put England in to bat, which it seems a counterintuitive, really, when you think that it was perfect day in Auckland, lovely day. And, you know, there's talk of on the second day there being a bit of rain around and some cloud around. You think, well, hold on, we'll bat first today and possibly they can bat second tomorrow and we'll exploit that. But no, he, he won the toss and then he took the catch. His bowlers did him proud and then he came out and made... 91 not out brilliant day for Kane Williamson who's is a class act
1: England obviously suffering a terrible batting performance today, but, of course, they've inflicted these kind of collapses. Before you mentioned the Trent Bridge test match of a couple of years ago against Australia when Stuart Broad bowled Australia out, took 8 for 15. And it was a lot of similarities between that and today because the ball did move that day at Trent Bridge. It was a very green, verdant sort of pitch, which obviously helped. But the, uh, the ball swung, and the Australian batsmen were drawn to the ball like a moth to a flame, just hanging their bats out, driving at balls which weren't full enough the ball just moving enough to take the edge and that was the point I suppose but both today and on that occasion there were very little play and misses it was uh, when the batsman played a false shot, was in the wrong position, the ball was nicked, and then beautifully pouched by one of the New Zealand fielders. I think uh, the the wicket of Ben Stokes was perhaps the only one I'd pick out, where the bowler really earned it by bowling a a succession of balls that swung away from him, this was Trent Bolt again, and then he bowled the one that came back in, and Stokes was sort of thinking about leaving it, having uh, tried to bat slightly out of his crease, and was then late on the ball when he realised it was coming back into him. So a good sort of three-card trick from Trent Bolt, there, but otherwise, most of the England batsmen stuck on the crease, I think Trevor Bailey said afterwards, they had lead in their boots, and it it just felt like that, it felt like the same as the Australians at Trent Bridge, they were unable to to move or counter the ball or try and just ride the movement trying to get out towards it, to smother it, and play it as late as possible and Kane Williamson, the way he played to me was an object lesson in how you have to adapt when the ball is moving a little bit, you try and make your footwork decisive but play the ball as late as you can to counter any movement and play it with soft hands to make sure the edge goes down. There was a four-he-edge through the slips so sort of late on in the day, which was a perfect example of that. He got into position quite early, but waited for the ball and played it with soft hands, and the edge, a thickish edge, went down and for four, whereas England, they were sort of stuck on the crease and then sort of pushing out at the ball in front of themselves, poking at it, and that's what causes the edges to carry. Yeah, and
0: also I mean, there was an extraordinary dismissal as well. I thought Moen Ali, who got basically a low full toss from Tim Southey, and and missed it. He actually got nowhere near it. Whether he just didn't spot it, there was some talk when England played the day-night game in Hamilton. There was some talk they weren't picking up the the pink ball against the. The white I'm not trying to make any excuses for the way he them batted today, but it did look in that instance if Moen just completely lost it. It was a really strange dismissal. It's the sort of dismissal actually you see in, in club cricket, just, uh, you know, a not particularly competent batsman just missing a, a straight ball. No real reason why they should miss it. And they just miss it. And, and, and that's what happened to Moen today. Root got one that came back in. Wokes got one that swung back in. Trevor Baylis making the point afterwards. I spoke to him for BBC Radio, just making the point that, you know, it was a really poor batting you, d- you don't expect a test match team to be bowled out by that type of ball well that they bowled you don't expect to be bowled out like that I mean it, it was similar in a way to Trent Bridge but the conditions weren't similar it was a lovely sunny day the, the pitch wasn't juicy not by any means we started at two o'clock in the afternoon it had been sunny all morning so I mean that in, in a way that was where the comparison stops uh, where it starts it's just the, it's the scorecard the low score and then New Zealand able to dig in and Build a, a decent lead. I mean, what about this point, Simon? About you know, when a collapse starts in a dressing room? W- what's it like? You must have been in dressing rooms. Although you had a very good Middlesex side, you must have been in dressing rooms, though, where you know collapse starts. It's funny, isn't it? it, it it's just infectious. It, it's very hard to stop.
1: Yeah, I, I remember actually a, a particular match and a very similar sort of bowler actually took the wickets. It was a guy called Phil Newport from Worcestershire who played a bit for England and bowled late outswing and Middlesex on the last day of a beautiful day's play, lovely sunny day at Lord's, we were set 320-odd to win and Phil Newport bowled Middlesex out for about 70 and he took eight wickets and he just swung the ball late and people just were drawn to, to edging the ball and it was it was a procession. And, and you kind of you're mesmerised actually in the dressing room, and you look at these dismissals, and you think, well, I'll go out there and try and uh, you know play a different way, or I'll try and counter it. Or surely he won't get me out. I mean, you trust to to fortune in a way when the ball is swinging because the old one is going to swing so late that there's, there's not much you can do about it. But you have to kind of think to yourself, well, I'm going to try and resurrect this position. But it becomes just an inevitable procession, and there's a gloom about the, the dressing room as the next person comes in slumps into into his seat puts his back down, the next person goes out I think there's a sort of tone of inevitability in the dressing room and you you just don't know how to change it unless you go and try and have a a big slog and of course it, it takes a lot of sort of courage to try anything different. You know over years how you've prepared for, for batting in a particular situation. You do your preparation. You, you, you know what your so-called trigger movements are. You know what your method is. And you sort of try and stick to that method. And I think that's where England are falling down, is they always play it the same way. I, I don't want to be too critical of somebody like Alistair Cook, who's been an incredible servant to English cricket and obviously the leading test run scorer, but he does always bat the same way he's honed his method over years and years of stepping back onto the crease before the ball is bowled and then unable, certainly early in his innings, to get his feet moving, to get his front foot outside the crease to try and counter any likely movement he's been out, caught behind sort of just outside off stump countless times and he trusts to his method and maybe the percentage of, of getting away with that sort of method and you know picking up runs in other ways as he gets into his innings, but it seems to me that you know, generally players are a bit too routine, a bit too stubborn in the way that they play and only Stokes, who tried to bat outside of his crease today as he did actually against South Africa uh, against Vernon Philander in that series last summer, he was the only one who tried something different and he was done by a brilliant bit of bowling, but I I don't know, I I suppose it also goes back, Simon, to to preparation and this vexed question of how you prepare for a Test series, especially away from home. This potentially is going to be England's 11th successive defeat away from home. And it it just feel like you, you should be trying to... Uh, prepare better with a bit more time to get into the conditions, the types of pitches you're likely to play on, to get a bit of rhythm into your batting. It's very difficult to do that. I know Alistair Cook has spent a fair bit of time at Laws. He gets up very early, goes down to Laws at 7 in the morning and works with his batting coach, Gary Palmer. He's been doing that over the last few weeks. But it's very hard when you're in the middle of Bedfordshire doing your farming to suddenly come out two weeks later and play a test match against high-class bowling.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other side to that is, I mean, it, it's a bit more sophisticated than that, though, isn't it, the, the argument? Because you look at someone like Joe Root, who was out for nought, he was one of those who was out for nought. He's actually been in really good form. He made 100 on Saturday in the warm-up game. He made 50 against the pink ball in the, the first warm-up game. He made 100 in the one-day series. He's actually been batting really nicely. I mean, you can always get a good ball early on. Besto 200s. In the one-day series, I know it's a different colour ball, but you're, what I'm saying is, is you're attuned to the the battle, aren't you? The, the international cricket battle, and they you know they've been playing a lot of cricket. So you know half the team have been out here playing in the one-day series, but it didn't seem to matter today. Moen's been out here playing in the one-day series. He was out for North Stokes has been playing in the one-day series. He was out for naught as well. So it's an interesting one how you argue that about the, the preparation. The players have you know, been out here, some of the players have been out here for a while. Of course, some haven't. The likes of, of Cook, Mark Stoneman, he had three knocks in, in the warm up games, out for 11 today, indeterminate sort of shot. Milan, he's had a, a heavy winter. He, he's not had a lot of cricket recently in the build up, out for two. So it's it sort of some players
1: actually have had quite a lot of preparation and some players haven't. Yeah, it's not really it it's not preparation though when you play one day cricket is it? I mean one day cricket and test cricket are diverging you know, every day that we, that we talk about the game and watch the game, one day cricket is basically about getting on top of the bowling, hitting the ball on the up, going at the wide balls, there's not many slips around, you know, you might only have one slip or no slips, so edges can fly away freely for four or for ones or twos, you know the odd play and miss doesn't really matter, your technique is not being examined in a one day game, you can play in a different way and you can get away with a loose technique in one day cricket, in test cricket where the ball does move a little bit more, I mean admittedly they're using a kookaburra which is the same as the white ball they use but the pink ball does move that little bit more and you've got swing bowlers here like Trent Bolt and, and Tim Southey, who are looking to pitch the ball really full and they're, they're you know, they speculate a little bit to accumulate. They do take risks, in a way, by looking to bowl that full length. But they have got that good control of late swing. And you know, the other thing is, the preparation England have had was those two warm-up games you were at, which lacked any kind of intensity, and probably weren't against the quality of the bowlers that they were facing today. And, you know, you, you haven't got that, you know, predatory slip cordon hovering around you either to pouch any tiny mistake. So... You know, generally, the preparation through one-day cricket or one rather kind of lightweight, lethargic warm-up game just doesn't seem right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would accept. I, I take your point. I think the point I was trying to make was about being sort of international cricket battle-hardened. It's, it's not as if you've come you know, cold off the plane. You know, and you've only got a, a week and a half to prepare for a, a test match. The players have been out here. Some of the players, half the players, have been out here for a while and, and are, are sort of in. Cricket Groove, if you like, but I, I accept that they, they are very different games and and, and, and clearly that that the, the two two day matches in Hamilton were not really the ideal preparation for a test match i mean they didn 't feel like good preparation actually the the one pink ball game England played down in hamilton they they played very poorly, they batted badly and they bowled badly as well they were smacked around on one of the days and the, and the other days they were, they were rolled over, so in that sense you 're not. In the, in the groove, straight into a, a pink ball test match. But, you know, we, we come back to the start. Technical deficiencies against the swinging ball. It didn't swing that much from Bolt, but just enough. Just enough to cause England s- immense problems. And it actually you know, quite an embarrassing day, really, for them. When you consider the winter they've had, and you know, they've come to play in New Zealand, you know, can they drag it around? They've got stakes back in the side. And actually, you know, <laughs> if you thought the ashes was bad, well, this was even worse.
1: Yes, that's right. And it, it's funny how you, you, you know you do have to be adaptable as an international cricketer, don't you? Because you've got these quick pitches in Australia and fast bowlers at your head. And then suddenly you've got you know guys bowling at sort of 78 to 82 miles an hour, which is still brisk, but not rapid. And they're swinging the ball late. And uh, it, it, it just makes it so much harder for a batsman to go from these sort of hard, bouncy pitches of Australia to suddenly dealing with swing and seam and, and pitching the ball up from the New Zealand. But you've got to be adaptable as a test cricketer, and England were found seriously wanting. And, you know, I go back to Kane Williamson again, uh, who you know, hasn't had any more preparation than England, really, in terms of playing in a test match. In fact, the New Zealanders play very few test matches nowadays, and yet he was there with that very, very you know neat technique, moving into the ball, moving back, moving forwards, getting right over the top of the ball, playing as I said with soft hands that 's like the old fashioned method that you associate with somebody like Michael Atherton or even further back God, God help us, uh, Jeffrey boycott, you know that soft approach that just nullifies the movement and and plays the ball to safety, and England just don 't have batsmen you know very much who do that well you 'd mentioned
0: Jeffrey that I can just imagine what he's. Yeah thinking and, and feeling today, wherever he is. I'm not sure if he's in Leeds or Yorkshire or whether he's in his home in South Africa. I imagine a sort of steam coming out of his ears. At, well, and at the waiting, the batted, at their preparation, all, all sorts of things. But the point you make about Williamson, I think, was the one I, I was trying to make about the England players who played the one-day series. The, the, Williamson hasn't played a first-class match since the, the Test Series in December, but he was into his stride. He was into stride because he's he's grooved. He's been playing international cricket, albeit white ball cricket. I, I, it, it probably also makes a difference the, the fact you're playing at home. You just feel more comfortable in your your home situation, your home circumstances. Although having said that, New Zealand is not a million miles from playing in UK, in the UK. You know the weather conditions and and the pitch conditions. So I mean, what 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 a day, really? I mean, n- nearly England's lowest ever. Test match score. They just got away with it, thanks to Craig Overton, who was only in the side because uh, Ben Stokes is not fit to bowl. And that's an issue. We thought Stokes would come back and and balance the side. Well, that hasn't quite happened, although clearly he's good enough to bat at number 5. He was bumped up to number 5. Overton in the side and and Vince Jettison. It'll be interesting to see, actually, when Stokes is fit, if he is fit to bowl, it might happen later in this game, when he is fit to, to bowl again, possibly in Christchurch, whether... Vince comes back into the side. What 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 they do with the team? Anyway, that's for the future. At the moment, unless the weather intervenes or an England score 500 in their second innings, it looks very much as if they're going to go to Christchurch, one nil down with one to play.
1: I suppose uh, what England can focus on is is trying to to get the wickets as quickly as they can in the second day's play. And, and you know, if they can minimise the lead to 150, they they've got a 10% chance of getting back into the game, but only if they bat a million times better than they have in the first innings.
0: Yeah, um, uh, probably a bit more than a million times better. I mean, it was it was extremely poor. 58 all out. It's, it's hard to believe. I can just imagine all those people waking up this morning in the UK. If they weren't with us throughout the night, they hadn't heard any, no inkling of it, you know, turning on at 6.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock, a quarter to 7, and going, what? 58? 58? All out. It's happened to England before in the the West Indies, as you mentioned. I was there, yeah. Yeah. 46 all out, uh, uh, 58 all out. Lowest ever score against
1: New Zealand. Well, it's a galling day for for English cricket but uh, I'll sound a positive note and that is that the, the Cricketer Magazine's county preview issue, the bumper issue, is out today so if you are really gloomy about England playing abroad, think ahead and think about the county season which is just on the horizon. It comes with that famous coloured wall chart, colour-coded wall chart, making sense of the unfathomable fixture list of the summer, trying to give you some sense of where matches are. So you should subscribe to the Cricketer magazine and people who are listening to this podcast get 20% off, so that's a decent offer. If you go to thecricketer.com slash podcast, if you follow that link, there'll be a way there of you saving 20% on the subscription cost of the Cricketer magazine. We'll be back tomorrow with hopefully better news about England's performance. Simon, go and uh, drown your sorrows in in a beer somewhere in the depths of Auckland and try and adopt a a Kiwi accent temporarily because you'll get ribbed if you're an Englishman and and talk (laughs) In an English accent. Thanks for listening and tune in again tomorrow.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash.